You're listening to Transform Squadron, the podcast of zonebase.org. My name is Rob, and you're listening to the September 2019 edition of the show. Or as luck would have it, the 13th. Here at Zonebase, Halloween is our favorite time of year. And the content, Halloween content, has been posting on the blog since August. So if you'd like to go check that out, it's at zonebase.org. But here, this will be the first podcast of the year to observe it. You know, this past weekend, the wife and I, we went to see It Chapter 2. Now, I'm I'm more of a fan of the half of It starring the children. To me, it loses something when they're adults. Fortunately, this movie spends some more time on the children. Also, as it's now the second week of September, or I guess it was the second weekend of September, the majority of stores had their Halloween stock out. Maybe not 100%, but pretty close. We, we got quite a bit of cool stuff. Of course, we've been buying it since June when At Home began stocking Halloween early. And the past weeks leading up to right now, stores have been more and more stocking. I'm currently looking at two Halloween masks we had bought that we've hung on the wall. They're inexpensive I guess store branded to Walmart. Basic plastic with an elastic band pull over your face type masks. They're old school style of a pumpkin with a top hat and a black cat wearing a uh, triangle hat. I say a triangle because I don't know what to call it. It's got a very old school look to it like one of those paintings or old school ads. And I absolutely love them. Last year... The trend to skew more old world with Halloween decorations started up. And I welcomed it with open arms. And it seems that's continuing this year. And I'm totally happy about it. Although that's not for saying newer stuff isn't neat. In fact, uh, Kroger. There, surprisingly enough, Kroger's a really good place to buy Halloween merchandise at it well. As well, pardon me. They have two blow molds that we've been keeping our eye out for. Our Kroger's are a little later to the party to stock than other Kroger's. By following other Halloween tags on Instagram, you can see what other people have been finding and keep your eye out for it if you'd like it to find such a thing. And Kroger has these two new blow molds that are black jack-o'-lanterns shaped like cats. So we're getting those. I love blow molds as it is. Just can't get enough of them, no matter the holiday either. But Halloween blow molds are, of course, close to my heart. Michael's has a mini blow mold that's just under two inches of a pumpkin-headed man. Like, I guess, a scarecrow with his top hat. My wife picked it up for me last month, and I love this thing. It's sitting on the mantle with several of our other smaller blow molds and jack-o'-lanterns. 
Target. Target's probably the best each year at Halloween. Not to mention seasonal goods in general. Their their department their department of whoever handles their seasonal merchandise really has their game on. And one of the things they do each year are these little I don't know if I want to call them plush or felt or whatever, but they do these little birds. They'll do them for Halloween. Uh, they do a general fall ones that are still appropriate for Thanksgiving. And they'll do Christmas ones where they're little birds. Sometimes there's other animals, but it's usually little birds with little outfits on reflecting the season. For Halloween, they're wearing Halloween costumes. We always buy one or two of them. And so far, one of the favorites, and he's sitting on the mantle, is a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde bird, half being the proper Dr. Jekyll and the other half being a green-skinned, wild-haired, and eyebrowed Mr. Hyde. It's absolutely adorable. I'm super excited, even though my voice... My voice probably doesn't tell it as well right now, because truth be known, I don't feel very well. I woke up not feeling well, and I'm trying to just kind of hold it together. <laughs> Not that it's super hard to record one of these. But it's actually harder than you would think. But super happy and super excited for that Halloween time is here now. And I just can't to see what... Pardon me. Just can't wait to see what the season brings me. Moving past Halloween just a little bit for the moment I'd like to take take the time to point out some of the other things I've been buying you know each week I go you know I go shopping I've recently purchased Soundwave as well as the micro cassette packs at Walmart completing I guess this year's great value botcon G1 reissues I said we issue my mistake <laughs> reissues I uh, can't wait for next year I'm really enjoying these Walmart reissues not that I don't have these toys already or have prior reissues. Some things I could probably buy a million times and these are one of them. And I appreciate the sort of vintage packaging they come in. And I like being able to buy them at Walmart. Once again, a lot of people said when Toys R Us was closing, their childhood toy store went away. And I'm like, look, Walmart's still here. That's where most of my toys came from. So... While I don't get much nostalgia hinges from Transformers as I never stopped buying them, that does give me a little nostalgia of buying a G1 style packaged G1 toy at Walmart. That's a good feeling. Also, the newest season of Cyberverse, the current Transformers cartoon, has started back up recently. And so far I've just watched the first episode. I'm waiting for it to premiere on Cartoon Network, and I'm watching it off my DVR. Some people have been watching it on various other means, or if you're in some other parts of the world, you're a few episodes ahead. But so far, it's they got off to a good start. The Cyberverse cartoon is pretty good, in my opinion, and I'm just really happy with it, and as it's going forward, continuing to be happy with it. The toys have definitely improved. I was never 100% down on the toys, 
but I'm not going to pretend I had the highest opinion either. I think I was more midways with the figures to begin with. The newer figures are a lot better. The Spark Armor figures are just great. The ones I've gotten are just wonderful. I want to get more of them. Maybe all of them. I really like those. been buying more of the Warrior class toys as they have not only improved, but my local Walmart stores are selling them at $11.96, which at $12 is a much lower price and an easier pill to swallow. Of course, I still remember when Transformer Deluxes were about $9 or 7 <laughs> times have changed but it's still nice to buy that size transformer for $12. I remember when they first went up to $12 from 10 and the collective outcry Transformers fans had at the time. And now that a Siege Deluxe is normally $20. It's kind of funny thinking, "Hey, 12 bucks value." But the Warriors have been improving. I, when, the, when they first got marked down, I fortunately found Soundwave and Hot Rod. They seem to be selling fast share at this price, which is good. Um, the Hot Rod was a good figure. The Soundwave was a really good figure. I love the laser beak gimmick worked into him. The Prowl, of course, is a good figure. This uh, this weekend I bought I bought Siege Reflector one of them, and I bought Deadlock from Cyberverse. I want to get Gnaw as well, as well as I need to get two more Reflectors. I currently have a plan of buying one Reflector a week until I get three of them. I could buy all three of them at once, but for me this is fun. Just like when Playmates had their Voltron Lion assortments out, I would buy a Lion a week. But if the if it was the regular, the uh, I guess legendary sized big old boy lions, the classic selection, or the metal defender series, I bought a lion a week. That was fun for me. May not be fun for you, but it was fun for me. With reflector, I'm buying one a week till I get enough to build the camera. I was thinking about just ordering that Amazon exclusive box set, and I still might. But my thinking is. The Amazon exclusive set is in a G1 color set. And the figures are sculpted to look more like the cartoon versions of the characters. So if I wanted a G1 version of the color set, I'd like it more closer to those G1 Microman molds. So maybe just finding a G1 set for not much money or one of the multitude of shady bootlegs floating around the internet of that set and I'm probably more apt to buy that in that G1 color scheme while these molds I want them in, in cartoon correct colors because they look so much like they did in the cartoon so I'm focusing on the regular retail versions of them for the time being though I still might buy that set just because why not it's fun so next week, I guess I'll get Reflector and Gnaw. And the week after that, maybe just Reflector. This week, uh, my Cyberverse toy with Reflector was Deadlock. Who, of course, we all know is 
Drift when he was a Decepticon before he swapped sides. I was very excited to get this figure. I was going to get Gnaw first before I saw this toy. Um, until I saw this toy was there on the shelf. Gnaw might be a better toy. <laughs> but Drift, excuse me, Deadlock was very appealing to me. Because as I stated before in prior episodes, these Cyberverse Warrior toys are very old school. Following along the same mindset I have with the uh, the Bumblebee figures or the Turbo Changers or other examples I've given you guys in the past while these more simplified for younger children toys are very more old school robot in design and I love it so very much. Deadlock reminds me a whole lot of a Turbo Master. Hurricane, to be exact. To be more precise, he makes me think of Hurricane to Turbo Master. Now, that's not a super close description or a comparison, as Hurricane is a much different toy. Admittedly, it's just the white robot that's making me think that. Getting the toy, he's a larger figure than hurricane was he's got this great he would definitely fit in with that that crossover in european transformers between g1 and g2 he would definitely fit in that era he makes me think like he could be hanging out with calcar or pyro it's very very along that lines of build and stature deadlock turns into a white sports car with some stripes He's got some blue windows, a little silver touch up here and there. Those of you who've bought Cyberverse toys know they could use more paint. Another hallmark of older school robot toys was could use a little more paint. <laughs> but he's a very pleasant, solid, chunky car. A little light. They use thinner, lighter plastic for these guys to make them fit the budget, and that's okay. It's it, while some people really don't like it, I don't mind it as much. Um, I will say his transformation's a little tricky, just due to uh, placement of a few. It's sort of, I don't want to call it a hinge. He's got this sort of bracket that hinges. That's basically in the where his are folds over from his car hood and folds over. In robot mode, you gotta kind of trickily put it. It's a little bit of a trick to fold it all up. It's not super difficult, but folding it just right and getting everything to line up can be just a trick and maybe annoying if you haven't eaten yet. You know, robot mode once again very old school. He's got a gimmick of swords that pop out into his hand for his sword fighting. The triggers on those could be a little better. Um, it could use a little more tension in the springs or whatever because it's really easy to accidentally set them off. Fortunately, they don't, they don't fire. They just plop into his hands, you know, sort of like a trigger cons, guns which snap into his hands. That same sort of uh, play gimmick. Once again, adding to the wonderful old school feel of this figure, the swords are pink. He has purple uh, robot parts with white, majorly white because the car is white and the bulk of his body is white with some silver paint and the inner robot parts such as the leg like the thighs and his uh, shoulders whatever is a purple 
And this, it is like a neon pink that these swords are. Really feels like a toy I would have gotten in 1990. Um, if these simplified toys aren't your thing, or older school toys aren't your thing, you're not going to dig it. But if they are, you're going to. He, um, he, he's very low in articulation, as you would expect for such a simplified toy. He's got hip and knee articulation in his legs so he can move his legs all about his arms is he's, i think he can swivel his waist i don't remember that too well at the current moment sorry he can turn his head his arms is limited to his shoulder as the pop-out sword gimmick takes away any elbow articulation he would have i don't mind it so much you might whatever just a great wonderful old school style robot which I posted him to Instagram prior to starting this recording. And when I recently, when I started posting super, excuse me, cyberverse figures, I've been including super robot tags in my tagging of the figure. This toy inspired me to start using also old school style, just to kind of separate. Like this is a very old school feeling toy. I don't know if I remember that next time I post one of these or not. But he's, it's definitely a good description of the the whole feeling and charm of a figure like that to someone who appreciates older style toys. Another toy line I've recently paid attention to, it's been out for a few months now. My wife has been pointing it out to me when we were at Target, and I don't know what the holdup was with me buying any or not. Just You know, some things just don't click in your head until they do. The toy line is called Mad Lab Untamed. Or I think the toy line is actually just called Mad Lab. And it's got the subtitling of Untamed for its current product. If you've been in uh, certain areas in the toy department, you've probably seen a brand of figures called Fingerlings. They're little little critters that can put on you can put on your finger like a little pet. And they might have closing mouths or whatever, electronics. It's supposed to be like a little toy pet. Well, a boy's variation of that is the... Uh, Mad Lab Untamed figures, which are like dinosaurs or prehistoric creatures. Um, clearly, it's been genetically cloned in a lab, that sort of a theme. Well, they have a Mad Lab Minis assortment, and this is more what I'm getting to. One second. Ah, <coughs> oh, pardon me. I, um... Mm, excuse me. Needed to take a drink as my throat decided to start coughing at that very moment. My mistake. My apologies. The minis assortment, I looked them up and apparently it was just a couple of months ago. Late spring, early summer when they started being released. These, uh, my wife had been pointing them out to me and it just recently clicked. A, I, I would go, yeah, those are neat and never thought to buy one for whatever reason. This weekend when we were at Target, I said, yeah, I'll grab one. The Mad Lab Minis are a blind bag style toy, or blind pack, as they come in a little plastic test tube. And inside the test tube is slime. Now, slime toys are, of course, all the rage right now, but I've always loved slime. And we are a slime-loving household. My wife loves slime, too. So, it's not a hard sell to get slime sold to me. 
this test tube, um, like I said, it's blind packed. I really like that the tear here portion was decorated like a caution tape. I found that charming. You pull there, you tear it off. You pull the top of the test tube off. Open up your little toy and you'll see at the top layer is the blind bag figure. And inside is also the slime. Now, being that this is the... Uh... Pardon me, I accidentally hit the record button ending the recording. My mistake. Back to Mad Lab. Being that these are the Untamed series, the blind figures within are of a prehistoric vibe. You have uh, dinosaurs and prehistoric animals such as saber-toothed tigers, but you also have things like bears and wolves. Um, there's also a set of cybernetic versions, which is like a... Uh, Robot, Mastodon, Gorilla, and I believe a wolf. I could be wrong. The idea is a... Uh, I guess saying prehistoric is unfair as there's just as many things like wolves and bears and such as there is dinosaurs. But the idea is there of a prehistoric slash savage world type theming of little animal figures. They're little cool, well-done sculpts. You can, uh, when you pull it out of the package, the head is not connected. You can actually disconnect the heads, and the little booklet informs you of the different combinations you can do by swipping, swipping, what is that? By swapping heads with one another to create different creatures, you know. Maybe put a dinosaur head on a mammoth, or a robot head on a skeleton. There's skeleton monsters, I forgot to mention. There's rock monsters, that sort of thing. These are really cool little figures, pleasantly rubbery, nice Keshi style figures. They're painted, uh, tons of different colors. There's a little booklet included with the package. It's actually wrapped around the tube. When you remove the wrapper, it's wrapped around. You have to cut the little piece of tape so you don't tear your little booklet. And it'll tell you all the different figures in the current series. Very cool, very cool. I wish I would have been buying more of them ahead of time. But like I said, sometimes things just don't click until they do. I do plan to get more of them. The second part of the toy would be the slime inside the vial. Your figure will be sitting on top of the slime. Um, at first, I, I didn't realize that there was different types of slime inside. There's tons of blind-packed toys with slime in it, as is, and it has different types of slime, being wet or putty or clay-like or foam mixed with whatever toy, so it's like a... You got this color slime and this figure. Different ways to collect to, if you're a completist, to drive you crazy type of thing. Um, the slime in these is themed to the figure. Being that you might have a more, like some figures will come with wet slime. Some will come with a more foamy type. Or Mine came from the Terra Clay group get it earth clay so the slime was actually a play-doh type it was more of a clay it was green i thought that was a really nice touch uh once again i said different types of slime and blind packaging with toys is not a new thing 
but I like the way they themed it to match the figure. The figure I got's name was, I think his name's Bonesaw. I'm forgetting now that I'm talking about it. It was a yellow saber-toothed tiger. He had uh, scars on him where he'd been in a fight. He had like a scratch across his eye, that sort of thing. Really well sculpted. And he's part of the Terra Clay group. And he came with, of course, clay. Really great. I plan to get some more of these guys as I implore you guys as well. Treasure X, a line I talked about here prior, they've went into an alien theme for the current year, being that when you buy a Treasure X set, now they still have the standard Treasure X with the dragons and beasts and skeleton figures, whatever, and the giant hunks of sand you have to dig them out of, which is excellent. But they've added a new assortment called Treasure X Aliens. Treasure X Aliens, um, you buy the figure, it's fairly expensive, I think. I think I priced them at 14 bucks. A large Treasure X is 10 which is still pretty pricey. The Alien assortment, you buy it, it's in a, um, not a test tube. I guess one of those, you know, when you see any type of sci-fi movie, the aliens being held in that containment thing where it's full of liquid that's floating in there. Like uh, Independence Day when they have the alien in that tube thing or whatever. It's in something that's meant to, its packaging is meant to look like one of those. It's like a crystal, it's got a little plastic base, and it's a two-part figure. The one inside that you can see clearly is a large plastic slug-looking alien-type creature. They have a couple of different sculpts of those and different colors. You open up your open up your containment unit thing, and it has a sort of plastic scalpel-type tool with a syringed side to it, where the belly has a place where you take your little scalpel tool and you saw that Joker open. You dissect the alien. Uh, similar to the Mad Scientist Alien Dissection Kit, um, which I'll get to in just a second. You follow the prefer the little, the intended path to cut. It's 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 molded in so you can see where you cut. And as you're cutting, there's slime inside for a goopy, gross feeling. And a slime, of course, depending on how you're squishing on the alien, or whatnot might squirt out. <laughs> and you know it's gross. It's meant to be. That's awesome. And inside the alien is your parts to put, to put together a plastic alien figure. As well as the, the main body that you held in, its head serves as a container for the slime to put it in. There's different color slimes. I believe they're all of a wet slime, classic slime toy variety. And there's a variety of alien sculpts inside. I don't know how interested i am in the alien ones i think it's neat but at 14 dollars a set a, a figure is a bit high for a blind the nine dollars already for a treasure x was kind of hard anyway but the mini beast at five was pretty acceptable i guess i'll just have to see where my bravery takes me one day because who knows one day i just might grab one and the next day i know i'm justifying the price like hey 14 isn't that bad okay Gee, you got the slime and a little roll figure in there you know it's cool so we'll just see how that goes i mentioned mad scientist a minute ago now if you go back a few weeks on zonebase.org maybe there's a little if you're using the web version of the site there's a little search tool 
or I guess if you go through the tags, it's under Halloween or if you're using the, the mobile version, you know, you could click the Halloween tag, or if you scroll down to the bottom of the page, there's a view web version and then I'll bring up your search. Either way, look up the mad scientist. I made a post a few weeks ago as part of a Halloween posting on mad scientist toys. When it came to these mad lab toys I was playing with and this mad scientist, um, excuse me, this, the alien version of treasure X, I got to thinking, man, oh man, would it not be great if they made mad scientist blind toys? One second, let me get another drink before I cough again. Mm, that is refreshing. <coughs> Excuse me, I still coughed, but I caught it this time. I was thinking how great it would be for a new current line of mad scientist toys. It could be a mixture of sculpts based on the classic monsters and such from the original line, as well as some new creations. Could be maybe in like the Mad Lab in a vial full of slime, or maybe something else, just a straight up blind pack. That got me thinking how much I would love that. Maybe the maybe one based on the alien from the Alien Dissection Kit. I've seen that guy pop up in a lot of indie toy indie toy makers uh, wares, and so I got I wouldn't help. I just can't help to think that that would go over well. A lot of people like it enough to make you know, unsolicited versions of the character. And, you know, maybe they can even do some of the Maba zombies from the Japanese incarnation of Mad Scientist. Once again, go check out that article. It's a lot of people seem to like that one, and maybe you will too. Well, one more thing before I get into the meat and potatoes of this month's show. My homeboy, my home slice, my main man, the God Beast, he has a new batch of figures ready at his web shop. I think he put them up a week ago. There's probably some still left. If you go to the God Beast shop, you can see them. He also, as now we're sliding into Halloween, he has some of the monster cereal theme sets still left. And it would be a good time to get them up as, you know, it's Halloween. Monster cereals are being stocked at your local store. You can't help but to be in the mood and he's got those scent fx monster cereal guys as well i've got the blue monster figure would be scented like blueberry to match up with booberry i think i want to get the others he's got a count chocula version of nemesis he's got a frankenberry version of kabuto mushi as well as the larger vinyl figure it's in a strawberry the larger uh, mushi figure good stuff halloween's around the corner i can't wait to see what his halloween selection will be now let's get into the meat and potatoes of this month's episode i mentioned at the beginning that this is episode 13 fate would have had it that the first halloween themed episode of this year would be a month with a friday the 13th this coming friday i'm recording this on a monday morning this coming Friday will be Friday the 13th. It's one of those magic Halloween seasons where we have a Friday the 13th during it. While sure, it would have been much better for it to be in October, but we can't control the calendar now, can we? 
So, of course, a lot of you are probably watching Jason movies on marathons, really taking it in. It's the perfect time for Friday the 13th. Sure, Friday the 13th are great off-season, so it's where you can have a little mini Halloween, and maybe in spring or summer, or maybe even winter. But it sure is great having one at Halloween where there is an abundance of spooky merchandise at your hands grip. You can just reach out and grab one. Any place you go, those inexpensive dollar hockey masks are available. So it's just the perfect time. So to commemorate such a momentous occasion as a Friday the 13th during Halloween, as well as Somehow this being the 13th episode at that time, I didn't plan it this way. I thought I would look at the Friday the 13th movie series a little. Now being that Transform Squadron is Transform Squadron, and that is the podcast of zonebase.org, which is a weird site about robots and monsters, I'm going to do it my way. I thought I'd take the time to point out some of the instances where Transformers has crossed over with Friday the 13th in one way or another. Now, before I get started, this is not going to be the most comprehensive list in the world. Now, I don't know everything. You know, I, I could try to know everything, but I still wouldn't know everything. I freely admit that. I believe I have a pretty fun list of instances in here, but that's totally not comprehensive. Uh, just being the way these productions work, you might have shared crew from one production to another or someone who's a voice actor worked on a movie here or there, that sort of thing. So there's, a pro there's most likely a million more examples than the ones I'm about to give you. I just felt these were pretty neat. Starting off, I will have to guess, I guess I'll have to start with the most, <laughs> most funny one and probably the most low-key of them all as it's not really much of a crossover it's just a funny coincidence and friday the 13th part 7 one of the one of the teenagers in that movie that of course gets murdered by jason is played by crispin glover everyone knows crispin glover he played marty mcfly's dad in the original back to the future he's infamous for being a bit of a nut job just kind of a weirdo He's got a strange rap song. Just a kind of a weird guy all around. He's in Friday the 13th Part 4 playing a floor. Wow. Part 4. Paying, playing. Just talking about Crispin Glover. Got my voice messing up. Let me take a drink. That's better. Just talking about Crispin Glover. Got me making all sorts of vocal typos. <laughs> He's that weird. Crispin Glover is in Friday the 13th Part 4, the final chapter. It was intended to be the last one, and then they made another one a year later. Whatever. Crispin plays one of the teenagers, and he's an awkward guy. Well, as the group is having fun and partying at their cabin, he asks one of the girls to dance with him. And he goes over, he pushes on the stereo, I think he puts a record on of a song and he dances like a madman for a minute or two. You have to see this dance to just Google Crispin Glover dancing on Friday the 13th. It's on YouTube. So there's gifts of it. It's the 
If you ever wonder exactly how unhinged Crispin Glover is, watch the man dance. Now, when they recorded, they filmed this scene, they used a record of Back in Black by ACDC. And Crispin is dancing to Back in Black. That makes this make a little more sense if you've watched this scene. Because his movements match that song more than the actual song being used in the movie. Because when they dubbed it over, of course they didn't have the licensed rights to use Back in Black. What they did have, what they did use, was a song by Lion. The same Lion who sung the Transformers movie theme in the 1986 movie. Those guys, they play Love is a Lie by Lion in that scene. Ever since I was a kid, I thought those guys sounded familiar. Then later on, finding out it was the same guys. Hey, that's pretty neat. But speaking of things I thought sounded familiar as a kid and is pretty neat. And probably the most commonly brought up Friday the 13th Transformers crossover is, pardon me one second, the lawn guys are outside. One second. I'm back. I felt it better to pause instead of try to battle the sounds of a weed whacker. Somehow the lawn guys always know when I'm doing anything that will require silence. Ironically, though, I just mentioned a weed whacker. Because the the instance I was about to bring up is the most more well-known Friday the 13th crossover. And that would be Sue Blue. Sue Blue voiced RC in Transformers. As we all know, the original movie, season three, animated. Sue Blue was RC. Sue Blue was also in Friday the 13th Part 7 as Mrs. Shepard, Amanda Shepard, the main character's mother. Now, why I said it was ironic... She was killed with a weed whacker. I guess, I guess the long guys knew what I was talking about ahead of time. You hear him out there? Yeah, that's Jason. He's chasing down RC. Now, what makes that part always kind of stand out to me is when I was a kid, I thought I thought that lady sounded familiar. You know, you know, you're a kid. You don't know all the names of the people involved with things. And as an adult, you might not. So there's some, some nerds out there will remember every single artist, writer or whatever. A lot of it. There he goes again. He, does he get her yet? Get her, man. She's still running, but you know, I, I don't remember every single instance. I might remember this voice actor, this artist here or there, but a lot of them, I'm not going to remember or maybe never find out their name. But as a kid, Man, you definitely don't know these things. And there I was. Watching Friday the 13th Part 7 on HBO. You know, it was generally about a year after the movie would be released at the time that it would show up on HBO or Showtime or something. The movie would come out, go to video. My parents wouldn't let me rent it, so I'd have to wait till the show up on HBO and I'd watch it while they're at work. They worked at night usually so it worked out for me that friday night premiere i'd get to see the new friday the 13th or nightmare on elm street but here was this movie about a uh you know jason comes back to kill people of course and the main star is a psychic teenager this also will play into something i'm going to talk about into a minute that i just realized i didn't i wasn't thinking about this Till just a second ago, and it just occurred to me, and that's kind of ironic. But she plays a psychic teenager, and her her mother is a, you know, played by Sue Blue. Sue Blue's taking her back to the camp where her father died. Um, 
beginning of the beginning of the movie, her psychic powers had part of his death, had part to do with his death, and she's going back there to as part of her counseling. Funnily enough, her counselor is played by the guy from Weekend at Bernie's. You know, Bernie the corpse. Weird. So, the whole movie, I was a kid watching, thinking, "Wow, her mom sounds super familiar." Turns out RC is just Sue Blue's speaking voice because it is you're literally hearing RC Tina Tina the whole time. Now here's where I was going to this is this is funny how this works out. Sometimes things work out funny because you see Sue Blue later became the voice director on Beast Wars and Beast Machines. I think animated as well. She's, she's worked in animation a whole lot. Probably more in live action. Well, Beast Wars starred Gary Chalk. As did Beast Machines. Gary Chalk was Optimus Primal. He has been in a million different productions, both live action and animated. You name it, he's probably been in it. But go figure. Sue Blue... One of the stars of Friday the 13th Part 7, who was R.C., went on to be the voice director on Beast Wars, starring Gary Chalk as Optimus Primal. Later in the Armada Energon Cybertron cartoons, he was Optimus Prime. But here in Beast Wars, he was directed by a Friday the 13th alumni. Here's where it gets funny. Now... He starred in a Freddy vs. Jason movie. In fact, the Freddy vs. Jason movie, which came out in 2003. He played Sheriff. He played the town sheriff. I have his name. My notes are not at hand right now. I'm so sloppy at this. He played the town sheriff where the whole Freddy vs. Jason shenanigans was going on. I was prepared to tell you that part. You probably already know that. That's another one of those not as pretty well-known factoids when it comes to this stuff. What I just realized was, and I wish I would have realized it earlier so I could work it in my notes a little better. Friday the 13th Part 7 was originally intended to be a Freddy vs. Jason movie. And in those initial... You know, any movie you got, the, the the first steps are all the legalese, the script writing, the studios, the back and forth and all that. That's going back and forth forever until the movie actually starts being worked on, okay? It was intended to be a Freddy vs. Jason movie. Terms couldn't be met and somehow got made into a teen psychic versus Jason movie. Go figure that... One of the stars of what was supposed to be the Freddy vs. Jason movie later voice directed a guy who was one of the stars in the actual Freddy vs. Jason movie. Sometimes things just work out in a very funny manner, don't they? Now here's another bit of comedy about that. In Freddy vs. Jason... We had a cameo appearance by one actor who 
who just had a small maybe cameo appearance. That actor's name is Scott Ward. I know that name's not flipping anything off in your head right now. He's been in a lot of things, but I'm going to get to why this is funny, how this worked out. Scott Ward had a small cameo role, just based on his, uh, just based on his, uh, a nominee as an actor or whatever, you know, nominee, that's not the right word, just based, you know, he's just a small cameo role. He was in uh, Freddy vs. Jason. A few years later, Scott Ward was in the Transformers 2007 movie playing one of the military personnel. Well, that's pretty cool, but why is that so ironic, just other than an actor was in a, a Jason movie and then later a Transformers movie? Like I said, these things happen. You know, the these voice actors or actors, whatever, are in a million productions, and there's probably a ton of them I'm not bringing up right now just because of the fact how things work. I don't know everything. Who knows? Maybe some best boy or, or a boom mic operator was on all of them. You know, I don't know. But anyway, this guy was in a small cameo role in Freddy vs. Jason. And then a few years later was one of the military personnel in the Transformers 2007 movie. But what makes that so funny? Remember how I just said Gary Chalk was in Freddy vs. Jason? Well, years later down the row, Gary Chalk was in a direct-to-DVD a movie, a sequel to a popular all-time movie. Now, the movie I'm talking about is Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol, of course, is a classic movie of Ralphie wanting the Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas. And it actually has other sequels. It's actually part of a series. You could Google that if you'd like. I'm not going to get into all of it. Well, there was a direct-to-DVD sequel movie not tied into the original source material aside from Christmas Story. A direct, you know, Christmas Story Part 2 with Ralphie being an older teenager wanting a car for Christmas. And to draw comparisons to the original movie, he has a Christmas break job working as an elf for the mall Santa. We all remember the Santa scene in Christmas Story. So Gary Chalk plays Santa in that. Now why is that so ironic and funny? Well, you see, Zach Ward, the guy I was just mentioning... He was Scott Farkas in the original Christmas story. You know the bully who beat the, was like terrorizing him and Ralphie beat the crap out of? Yeah, that guy. He was in Freddy vs. Jason, he was in Transformers, and he was in Christmas Story. That's weird. That's just kind of weird how these things work out, isn't it? Now, it's just kind of ironic due to the way these things work out. But that one's weird to me. I was just like, I, I, I didn't even mean to do that one. What was going on was I was just kind of glancing over some of these things and I was looking at Gary Chalk's character on the cast list and I said to myself hey that guy looks familiar because what I was going to do I, I made notes for this episode that like right now I can't find and it was basically the sheriff's last name I think it's Sheriff Marshall who Gary Chalk played and I saw this guy it's like hey he looked familiar and I clicked it and there, one of the listings was Transformer, and right at the top was Scott Fargus. So that was an accidental one right there that I discovered while making notes for. I didn't make the most comprehensive notes, but I was trying to just get some of them, and that was one of them. Now, to end this one out, I'm going to talk about 
probably the most direct crossover. And the real reason I was clicking that Transformers 2007 listing, because I wanted to get the character's name right. You see, in the Transformers 2007 movie, there's a character named Trent DeMarco, played by, Tr uh, hold on one second, pardon me, I had a coughing fit. For some reason, those allergies want to act up the minute I hit record. But Trent DeMarco was played by Travis Van Winkle in the original Transformers 2007 movie. That was one of the reasons I was looking at the 2007 cast list. Now, the Transformers 2007 movie is a production of Platinum Dunes Entertainment. Platinum Dunes is a production company owned by Michael Bay, who made the Transformers 2007 movie. He made also the Friday the 13th 2009 remake and the 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Once again, having Freddy and Jason here in the same discussion, but that's okay because it's the same, it's the same uh, chronology. It's the same canon. It's the same series, just a different bad guy in different parts of the world. Much like Captain America has to deal with Red Skull and Iron Man had to deal with Iron Monger. Freddy and Jason uh, exist in the same fictional setting, okay? And you know what? Before I get more into Travis DeMarco, I'm tell you guys a funny story I found out years ago. That Nightmare on Elm Street 2010 remake didn't have Robert England playing Freddy Krueger as normally. You know, he's getting a little older. They decided to recast him. And they picked Jackie Earl Haley who you guys probably best know from, uh, oh my lord, I forgot the name of the movie. <laughs> from The Watchmen. Well, Jackie Earl Haley played Freddy Krueger. Earlier in the 80s, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, one of the stars was Johnny Depp. Well, this is a funny story. Johnny Depp didn't intend to be in the movie. He had went with his roommate to the tryouts. His, his roommate was an actor too. And his roommate was trying out for the movie. The directors liked Johnny so much they talked him into trying out. And he got a role. Well, you know who his roommate was? Jackie Earl Haley, who played Freddy Krueger in the 2010 roommate. So just by the way of pure luck would have it, the guy tried out for the original movie as a teenage, to be one of the teenage characters. And then later was in the reboot as the main bad guy. It's funny how these things work out, but it's super funny how these things worked out. Have I pointed out earlier with Sue Blue, Gary Chalk, and Scott Farkas? <laughs> Here, see, Michael Bay produced, of course, the the bulk of the live action Transformers movies. I I think he just has his name on the credits for the Bumblebee movie as just part of a contract or whatever. I don't know how much he had to do with that one, but of course, Michael Bay. He's a producer, director, of course, of the live-action movies. His film studio, one of his little studios, makes these horror remakes. They've made the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake and the Jason remake and all that, like I just mentioned. Big whoop, right? That's just, you know, the guy likes to make money, obviously. You know, who cares, right? Well, that Travis Van Winkle, who was in the 2007 Transformers movie, playing Trent DeMarco. If you guys don't remember well, I'll... let me. You guys remember um, the jerk in high school that was mean to Shia LaBeouf? The uh, Megan Fox's original boyfriend, or I guess 
she was hanging around him. She might not have been his girlfriend, but she sure was pretty much paired up with him at the beginning. You know, he was picking on Shia LaBeouf or whatever, and she ended up leaving her to write off with Shia LaBeouf hair at that cool scene. And, oh, you got, you got showed up there, fool, that guy, the jerk, bully, cool guy character, Trent DeMarco. That was the character's name. Why am I pointing that out? In the 2009, okay, two movies came out in 2009. Well, a lot of movies did, but in 2009, the Friday the 13th remake came out. And then Revenge of the Fallen, Transformers Part 2, came out later that summer. In fact, while you were watching the Friday the 13th in the theater, you likely saw a trailer for Revenge of the Fallen. I know I did. That's just the way movies work, of course. Well, hey, Michael Bay directed one, one of his production companies, and then later his production company. Did you guys notice, if you ever noticed in the Transformers movies, a lot of the side characters don't come back. You know, Shia LaBeouf's friend from part one, it wasn't in part two. His friend from part two wasn't in part three. Shia LaBeouf wasn't in part four. You know, that sort of thing. You know, Megan Fox just vanished in part for part three. You know, these sort of things. We've all discussed the movies rather <laughs> all these things about the movies. I'm not going to say false, just enough. Hey, people have said it already. Well, that Trent DeMarco guy sure didn't show back up in Revenge of the Fallen, did he? Well, that's because Trent DeMarco, Travis Van Winkle played the character of Trent DeMarco in Friday the 13th, 2009. He played the exact same character who um, a spoiler alert, it's a decade-year-old movie, got murdered. So, the at least the reboot Friday the 13th from 2009 is in the same actual canicity of the live-action movies. He played the same guy. He wasn't just the same actor. He played the same guy. Now, I know some of you could point out, goes, well, there's nothing solid, concrete, blah, blah. Shut up. Trent DeMarco was killed by Jason after being a jerk to Shia LaBeouf. He made fun of Bumblebee and, and Jason killed him. That, that happened. <laughs> so that's the most concrete Friday the 13th crossover being that in a semi sort of way, the move, some of the movies are connected. Funny. Now that's not concrete. I know it's just, it could have been just the, they were like, hey, he's in this movie too. Let's name his character that. He played the same sort of upper class popular kid, you know. They obviously they just did it for an end joke or whatever. But dude. That that guy who was a jerk, Trent DeMarco, totally got murdered by Jason before part two ever happened. <laughs> It'd been cool. If one of the newspaper clippings would have just had like in Revenge of the Fallen local kid missing or something. <laughs> well, I think that'll do it for this for this month's episode. Halloween's got one more month in it. The main month, October. And I'll be back in October with not only another pumpkin spice edition of the show, but just another episode of Transform Squadron. This episode of Transform Squadron can be found as well as all the others can be found on tfradio.net. You can check us out for shows and showtimes. And while you're there, Brian Kilby would absolutely love it if you checked out those Amazon links. My name's Rob. You can find me on Instagram at RoboRobSpringer. That's at 
the little Aorta Swirly, Robo Rob Springer. But of course, Transform Squadron is the podcast of ZoneBase.org. ZoneBase.org can be found at, are you ready? ZoneBase.org. www. Don't forget that. ZoneBase.org. I am going to... I think I'm going to refill my drink here. I've taken like a thousand sips while I was recording. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for listening and all of you for reading Zone Base. I realized shortly before I started recording this episode that this is the one-year marker of Transform Squadron as a podcast, and I guess my return to podcasting. I didn't do this intentionally. I just realized, looking over things, that, hey, the first episode of Transform Squadron was in September 2018. So I'd like to thank each and every one of you for listening, be it the entire year, or even just recently. Thank you. And if you haven't checked read Zonebase, hey, please go read Zonebase. And if you have, thanks for reading Zonebase. Zonebase, Zonebase, Zonebase.org. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.